If we don't remember the past, we are doomed to repeat it. We live in an era of unprecedented technology, high-speed communication, social media, virtual reality, and the liftoff of space tourism. For us, revert to old times when we didn't have smartphones and the internet, is inconceivable. Over the last two years, because of the pandemic, we developed fresh alternatives to work and communicate, not to mention keeping ourselves and our loved ones safe from the virus. Pharmaceuticals created vaccines in record time, saving millions. Through new mindsets, we gradually adapted to the novel circumstances, technologies, and environments. That is evolution. Modern times, fresh ideas. The risk of a nuclear catastrophe, a total annihilation in a global war, is something from the past century. That is what we believe. However, some world leaders, epitomies of evil and the dark side of human nature, wish to send the world back to the Stone Age. What we are seeing today in Ukraine, is the return of obsolete concepts, brought in by a handful of individuals who still believe in the divide-and-conquer policy, while paving the way to submerge our societies into war, famine, ashes, fear, and violence. This is enough to make anyone pale. Governments wrapped in a blanket of democracy, sow misery and incertitude, just to benefit a few, leaving the rest of the world in shadows. No matter the cost. A smidgen of history to remember. Let's rewind a few years, to see the similarities between the past and today. The Yalta Conference, also known as the Crimea Conference, was a summit of the heads of the United States, the United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union, to discuss the reorganization of Germany and Europe after World War II, which was close to an end. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, and Joseph Stalin met to speak of peace, but the result was not the expected. With divergent ideologies, that friendship didn't last too much. They ended up dividing Europe and the world into two blocs, the Western Alliance, later formalized into NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and the Eastern Alliance, or the Warsaw Pact. Following the end of World War II, the opening act in this push for hegemony was the division of Germany into four zones, the British, the French, the American, and the Soviet. Along came the Cold War. Let's call it Cold War 1.0, the early version. For over 45 years, the Cold War plagued the world with geopolitical tensions between the two blocs, threatening each other in a show of strength. By 1961, NATO's members and its sphere of influence had covered over 40 countries. On the communist side, over 15 countries had already aligned to the bloc. The Western and Eastern blocs never fought directly, but they waged proxy wars as in the Korean War in 1950, the Vietnam War 1955-1975, the Congo Crisis in 1960, the Cambodian Civil War of 1967, and the Soviet-Afghan War in 1979. All these conflicts followed the installation of puppet leaders, orchestrated revolutions, and manufactured unrest, curated by these two superpowers. Cold War 1.0 ended in 1991 with the collapse of the Soviet Union. Three decades later, history is repeating itself. Cold War 2.0, new release. The heirs of the first version, dinosaurs from the Jurassic period, are still leading powerful nations with ideologies from 70 years ago, 
namely Biden, Putin, and Xi Jinping. Look at what's afoot today, Ukraine is at war with Russia, Europe is in dire straits, China threatening to invade Taiwan, and the US sending billions of dollars in military equipment to have Ukraine fight the Russians in this recent proxy war. This smells to be the launch of Cold War 2.0, but the question is, who has the upper hand in this one? The war in Ukraine, provoked by NATO and started by Russia, is reshaping the world order, clearly creating two sides, as it happened at the end of World War II. On Ukraine's side is most of Western Europe, along with the United States, Canada, and their entourage. On Russia's team plays Belarus, China, North Korea, Iran, amongst others. Each team is trying to outwit the other, using diplomatic maneuvers, food, or gas and oil to blackmail countries. Leaders from these blocs are on state visits, seeking to drag other members into their respective clubs. The political tour starts. In May this year, US President Joe Biden visited Tokyo to attend the Quad Summit, while the Russian Foreign Minister went to Saudi Arabia for the Gulf Cooperation Council Summit. In July, the US president flew to Israel and Saudi Arabia to strengthen ties. One week later, Putin landed in Iran to forge a new commercial alliance. Sergei Lavrov, Russian foreign minister, toured Vietnam and Myanmar in July and August. In response, US Secretary of State Antony Blinken paid a visit to Cambodia and the Philippines. Africa was the next stop on the tour, with the Russian team going to Egypt, Uganda, Ethiopia, and the Republic of Congo, while the US team rushed to South Africa, Rwanda, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. What these visits capture, is that a different geopolitical competition has begun, a struggle to gain followers to either side and, at the same time, set the rules for the second version of the Cold War. It's not for certain what will arise in the months to come, but the only thing more evident is that the Americans are not winning this round. US offensive, not working whatsoever. Most countries do not want to side with America, resisting Biden's pressure campaign, plus rejecting America's attempts to lead the world anew. Case in point is Saudi Arabia. Biden traveled to Riyadh to talk with Prince Mohammed bin Salman, with the primary objective of convincing him to boost its oil production, and to dump Russia. Mission not accomplished. Smack in the face. In an embarrassing blow, the OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, told Biden that they will not increase the crude output. But what was even more humiliating, was the OPEC secretary-general stating that he wants Russia to remain part of OPEC+, as Moscow's membership is vital for the success of the organization. Another revelation clarified that Russia is far from being cast aside from the oil market. After the hostilities in Ukraine began, a Saudi prince, Orwalid bin Talol, invested $500 million in three Russian companies, Gazprom, Rosneft, and Lukoil, showing where Riyadh's loyalty lies. Africa is resolute, holding its ground, and speaking its mind. The US is trying to impose its choices, exerting pressure, and ordering African states to respect sanctions and not to buy Russian oil. This is blatant hypocrisy, since many countries in Western Europe, such as Germany, are currently buying not only oil, but gas from Moscow's state-owned companies every single day. In open defiance, South Africa did not stay silent, affirming that they won't be bullied into taking sides. 
In June, the head of the African Union asked the US to lift sanctions, while meeting with Vladimir Putin in Sochi. An additional incident happened in April, when the United Nations General Assembly voted to suspend Russia from the Human Rights Council. It resulted in only 10 African countries in favor, out of 54, with 9 opposed, and 35 others abstained or absent. African nations are tired of bearing the brunt of global struggles, being told what to do, suffering the repercussions of decisions that are not theirs, and receiving undeserved treatment. The 20th century Cold War left Africa frozen in time, and turned part of the continent into a battlefield for the Eastern and Western blocs. For instance, the Congo crisis in the 1960, the Namibian War 1966 to 1990, the civil war in Ethiopia from 1961 to 1991. These conflicts stemmed from the clash between capitalism and communism, claiming the lives of millions, causing untold amounts of money in losses, and hindering Africa's growth. This time African states are wary of repeating the same mistake, as are several other countries, India for instance. Unusual strategies and proposals facing a split world. During Cold War 1.0, India followed a non-alignment principle, non-adherence to either side. Here and now, India is practicing a policy of multi-alignment, parallel relationships. This means that India is making decisions based solely on its own national interests, not on how other governments perceive those choices. Another interesting position, is the one taken by Mexican President López Obrador. He said he was moving to submit a proposal to the United Nations, to create the Commission for World Truce. This commission, according to Obrador, would remain for five years, and it should include India's Prime Minister, Pope Francis, and the UN Secretary-General. This proposed truce would facilitate reaching agreements, as in the case of Taiwan, or Israel and Palestine. He likewise declared that the world doesn't need hegemonies, and it is not too much to ask the United States, Russia, and China to accept the idea. It's about putting the interest of people above the interests of governments and economic groups. Although this seems utopian, this is what is needed. Obrador stated. No man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river, and is not the same man. Much has changed. This is not the 20th century, it is loud and clear. The US cannot bully countries into taking sides, while profiting itself, leaving others in misery, and then lecturing about morality. The United States' efforts to isolate Russia, through sanctions and political pressure, are not bearing fruit. Russia is suffering, for sure, but far from being isolated, let alone defeated. Europe faces a tough winter ahead, Parts of the world are experiencing food shortages, petrol prices are affecting transport and food costs, and millions are in pain, because of the decisions taken by heirs of the Cold War, who want to bring back the Jurassic era. There are lessons to learn here. This is a turning point that demands action, and the creation of a new mindset that will endure, one that makes us live in peace, on a sustainable economy, while solving cultural, ideological, and religious differences. Is that too hard? For the narrow-minded, it is. Times change, but some people don't. This is today's focus of attention.